So hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm going to go into my introduction, which sometimes I even forget to do. So I'm Sabella Smith. Um, thank you for coming to our photo book book group. And I learned something from a former uh, guest, um, India Beale started our um, our book group with something that I have gone on and done ever since I hosted her, which was a while back. She too uh, published with Minor Matters. She did performance review with them. And what she brought up at the very beginning was asking people to stop and think about all the entities that amplify um, contemporary photography. So that if you are in a position on social media to like or to pass on, if you find this, if this is your first time at the photo book book group and you enjoy it, pass that on, please. Um, it's something where there are a million maybe not a million, but a lot of nonprofits like smaller museums where the price to be a member is so affordable and really is the lifeblood of contemporary photography. So I take a moment to say, thank you for being here. We're all about amplifying contemporary photography. We wanna shout out about photographers and there's a lot of entities that are not photographers per se that are doing this work. So we're asking you to take a moment and do that. Like us on social media, pass stuff on. Um, for me, you can uh, sign up for my newsletter. Um, it's You can get on our mailing list and um, if this is your first time for the photo book book group, we have on our website uh, all of the last 28 that we did with a summary and a recording, and you will get a summary and recording of this talk. Um, so that's kind of housekeeping. Um, pretty much we have an unscripted conversation, and then we want to have a, a wide open conversation. So I try to cover a few bases with people that I'm interviewing and then open it up for questions and we go wherever the conversation leads us. It can get techie, uh, it can get philosophical, um, doesn't matter or it's kind of the beauty of it. So uh, you're along for the ride and your participation is really encouraged. Um, I also will um, move over to uh, a short um, uh, slideshow of, of images so we can also be looking at some of the work as Jocelyn can inform us about it. Um, and then we'll come back to this kind of format of more conversation. So I'm going to uh, start with an introduction where uh, I don't really give you Jocelyn's history because you can either find that in other places, you may know it, um, but I try to frame the conversation. So I'm going to share with you what I put together to frame this conversation. So I started by saying this, Jocelyn Lee sees in a manner which stopped me in my tracks. When I first encountered one image, which will be the first image of our slideshow, I was at APAD and I think it was about four years ago and I still have the image in my phone. I've been fangirling her ever since. I learned that she was going to publish with Minor Matters, and I decided I needed to be a co-publisher of this book. When I learned that Sovereign was a book on older women and that it was empowerment by way of how Jocelyn, in her words, said, Sovereign is, quote, an invitation to accept our own luxurious embodiment, end quote. 
Well, sign me up. I became a co-publisher. And one of the lovely things that also came along with that was we could also add any other women of import to our list that would be printed in the book. And I added my mother and both my grandmothers, which was really wonderful for me because I have a belief that we all stand on the shoulders of the women who came before us. And while that's a gendered statement, it is true because none of us would be here without a passage through a woman's body. So one of the main things that kept resounding for me as I looked through Sovereign for the first time was a Mary Oliver poem. So I'm gonna share that with you because this has just kept resounding in my head and it's called Wild Geese and it goes like this. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about your despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies, in the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting. Over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. So I kept thinking about the animal body and I happened to be reading Rebecca Solnit's memoir, Reflections of My Non-Existence. And I underlined this piece and I want this quote and I want to share that with you too. It is right here. So this is Rebecca Solnit's description and here's the quote. To be a young woman is to face your own annihilation in innumerable ways or to flee it or the knowledge of it or all these things at once. And I keep resoundingly thinking about why are women's bodies not celebrated and not embodied for all their miraculous passion and power. So I love that my path has crossed with Jocelyn's and it brings us here. Um, initially, we planned to meet at her Portland studio and then my travel plans changed and we have to wait for that to happen. But I am so excited to welcome Jocelyn to this platform. And as I said before, I don't share a long uh, list of, of, of accomplishments. But I do wanna say that Jocelyn has been exploring portraiture for decades after studying both studio art and philosophy at Yale and earning an MFA at Hunter in photography. She is widely collected and acquired and has received international publications uh, has been received internationally in many publications. She is represented by Huxley Parlor in London and Flatlands in Amsterdam. 
So today we're going to focus on her third monograph. And I love what was written about this by your essayist, whose name I didn't put down, but it's Amy Watson, I believe. April. April, April Watson. Sorry. Thank you. Um, and what I love that she said about your work is that it animates the environment and appeals to our senses beyond sight. So I love that. And I underscore that. And I know that that's what stopped me in my tracks when I saw that first image. So I'm very happy to welcome you and to unpack this and just open our conversation. So thanks for being here, Jocelyn. Thank you so much, Sibylla. What a generous and um, thoughtful introduction. I really appreciate that. I think there's a lot from the poem um, that we can bring to the conversation. I'm really grateful for you to have me here and to introduce me to your audience. I can't see who's there, but welcome and thank you for coming. Um, where would you like to begin? I mean, there's so there's so that there's so many topics there. Mm -hmm. um, and and things that I, I bring to bear to my photographs, um, certainly the more recent work, that idea of the animal body, um, I think about that a lot, and, and the idea of like consciousness, how consciousness, how sometimes we should interrupt consciousness in order to um, be more in a central state, and then how I can use, uh, use the photograph to maybe inspire people to think about that, a democracy of, um, of of looking that that mm. plant life and animal life and and human life that there may be a way that we can equalize that more so that the human being is not prioritized as the center in this way that traditionally photographs have been used to you know the portrait is always about the the person in the middle and I and I'm very much trying to uh, layer it and invite other priorities for subject matter so there's so many different places to begin. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Well, you're already making me think. So in terms of layering other priorities in the subject matter, I'm going to quote you on that. And the idea is um, you're making me think back to the conversation we had with Mona Kuhn at the beginning of the month, who also does an exploration of body and often it is in nature. But it's this idea of um, connecting the entities and not, as you're talking about, making them hierarchical, but actually uh, giving us a frame to not necessarily prove, but to just reflect the interconnectivity. Yes. You know, wouldn't have one without the other. Um, I think where I wanted to begin, because it was an initial question, is that um, photograph of Gail, your mother, in the beginning yes. of the book? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So I think your mom was a real inspiration in terms of how you live in your body or even live through your life, um, but specifically about how she related to her own sensuality and sexuality and physicality. So could we begin there? Because I, I think you sure. started sure. photographing her. Yeah. And I just, I'm very curious about that relationship and how that influenced your your future yeah, yeah. or so your maybe, photography in general. Maybe as a way to start, I can, I can go back to why I photographed my mother. So mm -hmm. I did study philosophy and studio art at Yale. And I think the way I used the camera was always sort of um, as a philosophical tool um, in the sense that I used it to really look at things clo closely and slowly 
the beauty of the camera is that it really slows the world down and it gives you this kind of incredible access to things. If, if a person or, you know, is willing to pose for you, there's an intimacy in that um, and a slowness. It's really a gift. Um, and the camera that I use, I, I, I put it here because I wanted people to see like it's really heavy, heavy, big camera. So the pro and it's, I use only film. So for those of you who don't, I don't know who's in the audience. So I just thought mm -hmm. that was like to sort of premise the talk with my method is, is incredibly slow and intimate. Um, and it really hasn't changed from when I began making pictures um, when I was in high school. Obviously I didn't use this camera, but I started using things like a Roloflex. Like I was always using film and kind of medium format camera. But so I would use the camera as a way to kind of ask questions. And um, my family was, um, there was a lot of chaos in the household and a way for me to, to find in intimacy and closeness was to ask my parents to pose for me. And it would, mm. it would make them, you know, you, you'd have a frame of time, like an hour. Well, not that they'd always give me an hour, but you know, a period of time. And I'd ask them to sit and it was a way for me to just look at them and study them in particular, my father, who was, who was like a, just a tornado of energy and activity and then the other way I used the camera was to study things that I didn't understand, like, like the generations above me, that I was a woman, I was 18, 19, 20, you know, what aging looked like, what pregnancy looked like, when those things had obviously not yet happened to me. And I really wanted to study that. And my mother was remarkably generous and open and comfortable in her body. And so from a very young age, you know, 17, 18, she posed naked for me. And so we would do this and we continued to do it until she died in 2008. And so one of the things that the beauties of photography is that if you spend a life making pictures, you wake up at a certain point and you realize I have a study of all the people that I love over time, like 35 years. So I'm sort of realizing that now I'm looking and seeing, I have these longitudinal studies of people from 1980 to now and and some of whom have died so my mother passed away and i photographed her through her death and so that, that just as a context for how i use the camera is it really is a tool of of exploration i love philosophy i wasn't a very good philosophy student but i loved existential philosophy and i think this is my way of of making sense of the world when my mother was dying i was obsessively making pictures as a way to kind of like process it and understand it um, so, so anyway, so that's, that's, that's the way the camera functions for me. It really is a, a form of inquiry. Mm, that's a great explanation. And I really appreciate the existential nature. Um, I think that's what I do not define myself as a photographer because I'm not. However, I do talk of myself as being a punctum junkie because I'm addicted to the emotional impact of a photograph. And I think you're touching on the existential in the sense that whether you are the maker or the viewer, you're entering into an intimacy and something where, um, as uh, April described, something beyond your senses. So it's this ability to connect without words, really around feeling. And it happens through the photographer connecting 
with that when they're making, and then that gets embedded in the photograph, which then loops in the viewer. So my passion is about that synergy. So um, I love how you're you're describing it. And I guess I did have a question about, I mean, I love the that image. It's not in our slideshow. I'll open up the book and share it. But did your mom reflect anything about how she wanted to be photographed? That's a bad thing to do, but yeah, at least we okay. let people see. You can see it. Um, you know, she was, she really was remarkable given that she didn't grow up in like a counterculture family. Like she was a pretty, she grew up working class in Newport, Rhode Island. Like there was no reason that she should have been, like nothing was informing this other than maybe her mother was pretty like kind of a centralist and never wore a bra and slept naked. And my mother was just, she was just strangely at peace in her body and like really an authentic centralist. Like she just... We, if the opportunity arose and we were at a nude beach, she would go naked, much to my father's horror. You know, she she was really weirdly comfortable, like would walk around the house naked with teenage boys. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, we're still processing that and trying to understand because we were not living in, you know, a kind of 1960s commune type situation. She was just, she was just comfortable. Like she was really at peace with it. So when I began to photograph, and I was really interested in her body. She had four kids, like she breastfed, her breasts showed the evidence of that. Her son, I mean, this is also not a woman who exercised or cared about that, but also felt very sexual. Like she was a very mm -hmm. sexual woman. Um, so no, she didn't control the pictures. She, she kind of did what I asked her to do, you know? You know and yeah. We were just doing it together and it was a way to be together. Um, and interestingly, in my, my graduate uh, thesis show at Yale, my grandfather, who was her father, who was quite conservative, didn't speak to me for a year because there was a nude photograph of her in the thesis show. So <laughs> he, spoke to her, he spoke to her, but he didn't speak to me. <laughs> okay, I'm going to process that for a while. That is so interesting, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, didn't censor. Yeah, you know, you were guilty by association. That is so interesting. And I guess what you were making me think of is, A, she was like um, a naturalist. And I'm thinking more European. I mean, my European friends, even those who have stayed uh, in my home for extended periods of time, do have a different um, uh, lens with, or, or I would say comfort level, you know, that they do, um, all walk around naked. You know, my friend will be taking a shower and her teenage son will walk in to say, you know, I'm going out. I mean, and, and there's just things like it's culturally a different thing. I, I really did. One of my questions when I was writing different things was about the puritanical nature of, of our country. And I think something that comes up and maybe we can circle back to it, but it's like uh, people looking for permission. Like even when you were saying, uh, you know, my mom was strangely comfortable in her body. It's like, that's really not what we want, right? To be strange to our own animal body. We want to inhabit our animal body. And what about that power? Um, and what are we so afraid of? And it's like, I think that's so interesting how cultural things become internalized. And once they're done enough, then it's like, okay, we have you in your place. 
mm-hmm. you're going to do it to yourself. And then women often do. And they judge their body. They'll cut it up into all parts and say, oh, don't get my stomach. Are you going to do a full length picture? You know, you get all these things happening where people don't accept their full body. Um, I think that that point of the animal body really is that idea of being in the body without the the, um, cultural coding that we have, right? So like if we were all in an animal body, if we were all um, without that kind of self-conscious self-awareness, I think we would all swim naked. I think we would all stand Mm -hmm. in the sun. I think we would all, we would all have this primary experience of, of, of ourselves as central beings in the world. But, and, and, you know, I'm sure this is true for men, but it is it painfully and excruciatingly true for, for women. And, and part of the goal of my work is, is to make visible, you know, the, the, that which has been shunned and that which is now, you know, considered taboo. Um, I have a story that I, I, I was working with a curator and he, he's, he's someone I actually love and I think is incredibly intelligent. I mean, I know he's incredibly intelligent and knows the history of photography is, is a very sensitive curator. And I showed him a picture of, of a 92 year old woman naked and his input without thinking, he took his whole hand and covered if the picture she just covered the whole, her whole body with his hand. He, there wasn't a moment's thought. It was instinctive. He did not want to see it. And this is a very sensitive viewer. And I thought, this is really taboo. Like, this is taboo in a way that we don't even talk about taboo. Mm-hmm. You know, that he, he, couldn't, he couldn't tolerate it. Mm-hmm. And that, that was so, I was p- making pictures of people naked. And I knew, I kind of knew that, it, I mean, I definitely knew that it was not something you see a lot of, like certainly pregnancy when I was in graduate school, I was making pictures of pregnant women. And I was, you know, I was in my late twenties and thirties and I wanted to be pregnant. And I realized I've never seen pictures of, mm. of a, of a, pre- what does a pregnant body look like? That's insane. Why have I never seen pictures of that? And so I started to make pictures of that, but later through reflection, I realized this is really taboo subject matter. And, and quite frankly, I I have a hard time showing this work. It's a great gift to minor matters that they, to me for minor matters that they published it. It is very hard work to, to, because people still do not want to, to want to look at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's that, it's that uncomfortable. Mm. Wow. Well, let's go over to the work. I, I'll share my screen. Yeah, um, so interesting to think about all the, as you said, cultural codes and the ways in which we allow ourselves to see. Okay, so this is the image that stopped me in my tracks um, and made me hunt you down. <laughs> Oh, thank um, you. It's just, it's, it, it, I, and you know what? I think I actually had a, a prejudicial, stereotypical reaction because I remember exactly where I was and where the gallery was uh, at APAD that year. And when I took the picture, I completely assumed you were a European photographer. Oh, huh, that's interesting. And I was like, ooh, she's American. Cool. Huh. I, wonder, um, I wonder why. That's interesting in its own right. I, I think I, I think that because I look at work from so many different 
places, I really am getting this geographical sense, which is really interesting. It actually happened to me because I lean towards Europe. I've done a lot of Paris photo. I've only done one um, uh, big uh, event in Asia, but um, and I've yet to go um, and work in Africa, which is a wish and hope of mine. But I was doing some studying on the West Coast, and I realized how East Coast I am, even in what my historical references are, and my my leanings go towards Europe. And I'm like, oh my God, like there's a different sensibility on the West Coast. And so that's one of the things when I'm working with photographers individually, I I talk about the fact that they could be known and appreciated in a lot of different parts of the world, not necessarily the one they're in. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can happen cross-culturally, obviously, as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned that you were born in Italy. How did that come about? Um, I was there. It was my father's first job. He was was, uh, was a chemical engineer, and Mm -hmm. his first job was in Naples, Italy, and they were there for three years. So Mm -hmm. even though my sister speaks fluent Italian, we don't have we're not Italian. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So um, do you want to just like in this picture? Sure, sure. I want to, I'm going to ask a question before you even open up about it, but here's what I wanted to know. Um, Obviously you knew the model, or I'm assuming that you knew the model. And of course her hair is just devastatingly beautiful, but the idea for this, if you could conceptually talk us through it, did you see that bathroom? and go like, oh, I want to put her there. Did you want to photograph that bathroom before? Did that just happen? Like all those things are what stopped me in my tracks. Like I I can go on and tell you all the things that I wondered about, but the idea of um, the reflection and the plastic behind it and the door, you know, mm-hmm. what you framed and let us in on and what you didn't. So mm-hmm. what came first? So, so again, I don't know who the audience is, so I'm assuming there are photographers in the audience, so this would be helpful yeah. probably to, to talk about the process. So we're going to jump around a little bit in these pictures. So this is a parallel body of work to Sovereign, which is called Bountiful, um, and it really is about, like, kind of exploring, like, the central beauty of the world and in, in it, and I think of it in a very democratic way, so it's plants, animals, the human body, um, and the way I make pictures is is somewhat directorial. So I will find when, especially when I'm photographing people, so I'll find an environment that I like, and then I'll bring a model there. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this situation, sometimes I have time to really work in the space before I get there, and sometimes I don't. And so in this situation, we rented a VRBO in Maine. And I only saw it online, but when I saw it online, I thought this is pretty great. And what I look for, if it's relevant to people in the audience, yeah. is I look for for things that feel um, they're provocative in the way that you said this idea of a punctum, like there is some kind of pr- provocative detailing in the space, but it's not overly wrought in time or place because what you don't want is it to direct the narrative in such a specific way. Um, and so this felt just felt amazing, like the quality of the blue and the, the clawfoot tub, like the palette. So obviously it's their color photographs. So I think about the palette. So I just saw this online and then I brought three women there 
I can't remember if I'd worked with this woman before. She's she's become now, if anyone knows my work, like someone I work with a lot because she's also just an amazing model. And that's something we can talk about too. What makes someone work in, in this kind of, the kind of work that I make and what makes someone not work? Because it's not everybody can help collaborate and make a picture work. Mm-hmm. I really see my models as collaborators. Um, so we were there and we photographed in a lot of different rooms. And and then we, I just thought, just let's try the bathtub and put Kate in the bathtub. And she's got this like incredibly milky white skin. Yes. And then, you know, then we found this position. And I think the other thing that I think a lot about, I love film and like the, I don't think this picture would have been strong if the door wasn't there. Like that, the door and the doorknob really, really are important. That to me is like a point of view shot in a film that that creates a narrative, a narrative between the subject in a private moment and us in the other room coming in to view the picture. So, uh, you know, so I think about the construction of the frame a lot. I'm not a street photographer. I'm definitely more of a formalist in this way. Um, and then the other thing I'd say that I really do is I really love surrealism. And I, I the way that the hair becomes the animated thing in the frame. We don't see her face, really, not her eyes. What What is the living thing? Is this hair that feels surreal to me? So anyway, I can go on. on um, well, but yeah. That, that, those are the things I'm thinking about. I'm so glad to hear, but it's really odd. And I can't think of any other person I've had on as a guest where I've had a connection with one photograph, like I've had this. Hmm. I literally stood in front of it and thought about that door. I thought about the reflection in the plastic. I thought about um, the blues. They like completely knocked me out. I thought about the like and you're talking about formal composition, if you spend any time with this, the idea of, of, of there's these triangles of light and dark that are in here, um, it is just so evocative. And of course the door helps us feel like we're getting a view. And then of course she's in the tub, but without really seemingly taking a bath and, but having, a bath of something else, right? Being bathed in something else. So it's so evocative. And um, thank you for giving us more about it. And I'm curious, because you are working in film, uh, did you have other, were you working with different positions and then knew when you got this and then Mm. took the frame or did you try some others actually and try to capture them and then found this when you were seeing your film? I I think sometimes like intuitively I feel like that that is the magic of film to me and photography is you don't know it's very different from digital and you are really in the moment with and again it's this really heavy camera right so it's not fast it's really slow and you're raising and lowering it and trying to figure out what the right angle is and where all of the everything lines up in the frame. Like it is, it is a formal puzzle, but then the formal puzzle can't, um, 
control the picture so much that the narrative isn't alive. So if people understand what I'm saying there, like it can't just be about formalism because it'll just be dead. Like the livingness of the picture has to be there and the surrealism or the strangeness has to transcend the formalism. So anyway, that's that's the way I make pictures and that's a challenge in, for me that never gets boring. Um, but we we photographed for two hours. So there were there were pictures in the room over here. There were pictures in the hallway over here. And she is so incredible that I, like she is so seductive to me that I just want to keep making pictures of her. And I keep saying to her, I need to find other models because you will be <laughs> I will just make a body of work about you. But um, so, yes, there were other pictures that I liked. But when I was making this, I thought, you know, this is probably this is probably something like just the palette alone and the setup and the door. Like it, it felt like I felt like we were in the right place. And and sometimes you feel that way and you, it, it's not it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just don't. And that's a great disappointment. <laughs> yeah, it's really a great disappointment. Then you want to go back and do it again because you, mm -hmm. you see it in your mind's eye um, and it, it doesn't isn't realized. Yeah, yeah. Having been on set as part of the team, there are times when even those of us not behind the shutter go, we got it. Like, mm -hmm. you know when all those alignments happen. So this is the cover image of the book. Um, that's a huge decision, as is the title. So can you tell us about coming up to that decision and where you to use, to use this as the cover of the mm -hmm. book mm -hmm. and to title the book Sovereign well, the, Where the, the, Pope the, came the, from. the title I have to 100% credit uh, Michelle Dunmarsh at, uh, at Minor Matters mm -hmm. I really struggle with titles I really struggle with them um, I'm really a visual thinker I, I can appreciate a good title when, when, I, when I hear it. and and we were really struggling with titles that were like they were just overwrought or they were directing it too much and she said what about sovereign and I thought that that just nails it like it has this uh sense of history and like like import um and power it, it just it felt it just felt really right um absolutely I mean I felt that that's nice to know where it came from in the collaboration that you had to come up with that but when when I was thinking about it I often look things up so of course I looked up sovereign it's like yes I know what it means but what's a definition and in there is possession and being in possession which right. is embodiment which is empowerment um and uh ironically during the pandemic i was with a, a small group of women and we had such a powerful experience we all liked to walk in nature and we were doing it from different parts and we all met up um, in one place when we could and uh we had such a lovely time and i did have the book but i said we were we were laughing about like this kind of organic formation and we're all in different we were each in places in our lives that were pretty um largely transitional or you know big moves and so long story short I called us the sovereign sisters because huh. it was just like yeah we gotta we gotta go through this stuff together huh. um but yeah it's an isn't you know it's, it feels like an ancient word that isn't really used very often but 
you do know what it means. And so there's a freshness to it and a sense of history at the same time. And you often see it as being occupied by men. So it felt, subver- it felt really subversive and smart simultaneously. And it's just a, also a beautiful word. And it does mean self-possession, but also ownership of lands. Like it, it, it has a great deal of power to it. Absolutely. Yeah. It really, really does. We should use it more often <laughs> to remind ourselves of our sovereignty. Well, yeah. the sovereign sisters, you did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think about this so much. Um, I have a daughter. Um, I mean, I have a son too, but when I think about living in a female body um, and how that has changed over time, you were talking about pregnant women and how you hadn't seen pregnant uh, women. And I think about even when I was pregnant, it wasn't to the point it was just changing, but where you actually uh, celebrate your body like that. And so there's so many more women in bikinis pregnant or through pregnancy. And I love that we are uncovering that, you know, um, it's, it's, we're changing, we're just snail's pace <laughs> when it comes to some things. So this is that original photograph of the 92 year old women that was woman that was a little challenging for a man to take in. Yeah, so this was made when I was in graduate school, um, and it was actually part of my graduate thesis show. Um, so it was the picture of her, um, a picture of a pregnant woman, uh, her second pregnancy, so she had stretch marks, and then other other pictures. But so that was, you know, that was 30 years ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago. So I have been really focused on this while doing parallel projects too. Mm -hmm. Um, So Rita, yeah, she was 92. She's a Holocaust survivor. Um, And she actually on her left shoulder, not everyone was tattooed. She was tattooed and she has, was wearing a bandaid. And in the other versions of it, I made many, Um, you can see the bandaid. And this, this one I love for the obvious reason that she is so confrontational. And she's so comfortable in her body, which really, this is a more traditional portrait, you know, a la August Sander or Diane Arbus. It's not doing what I'm trying to do now more with, with formally with using the background. It's very much about her. Um, But we don't need anything else. I mean, she's so, she's so incredible and she's so rare. Like how many pictures of 92 year old women have we seen naked? Mm-hmm. What a gift that mm-hmm. she has given us. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I was just there to record her gift really, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it, it still chokes me up. Like it's so profound what she did to do that. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to find people willing to be that generous. Um, how did you find Rita? She was, a, she was a good friend of my mother's. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother worked in hospice and she worked in hospice with my mother. Um, mm-hmm. So just, I mean, I guess it, one could, one could speculate that she'd been through so much in her life, you know, <laughs> what was this? <laughs> oh yeah. But I, I'm also I, thinking um, a couple of things. I didn't know the history, obviously, um, that you just shared, but I was struck by the confrontational engagement with her looking. Um, 
I also love how erect she is. Like that's not always, uh, I, I think that um, your body can reflect actually your psychological engagement and people can shall become, you know, uh, folded in on themselves um, as a result of that. And I just look at her and think of like, she had those shoulders have obviously shouldered unbelievable things. But then I also look at her hands and they also look very powerful. I mean, she seems like her body is balanced with the intensity of her expression mm -hmm. and she's a package. Mm -hmm. And it, it made me think of that part. Um, I, I don't think this, it, it was really when I read and I'm thinking about a book that I'm going to talk about. Um, one of the things uh, it wasn't, um, wasn't something I read in your work, but it was a, a thought that came up um, to me uh, from going through your book was this idea that we talk about letting go, like, oh, she's let herself go, or this idea that all of a sudden your body is not what you lead with. And if you really think about it, mm. you know, what a, what a, what a tragedy, because we like, we, we lead with our mind and, and it's like, they are so <laughs> in need of each other. And your body is actually probably smarter than your mind half or more than half the time. So it's this idea of integration. And I just feel like, wow, she really gives it to us. Like you get all of her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I would say that you were talking about the detachment from the body as someone mm -hmm. ages, this idea that the body's no longer relevant, that the body's no longer sensual, the body's no longer sexual, and that it should look a certain way. Mm -hmm. I, I'm like, that is, I'm so adamantly and, um, assertively against that. And I think what she shows here is this idea of unification that her body is, she's at, at one with it in, in, in its state as it is there, which to me is beautiful and strong and powerful. Um, and I think when, when I can only speak to women because I'm a woman, but that when that detachment begins and, and it's definitely culturally coded and it's definitely culturally enforced that the body should be hidden and, and not shown and that the body changes over time and that that change over time does not deny sexuality or sensuality or beauty. I'm really adamant about that. Yeah. Strongly about it. I've, I do too. I mean, as I unpacked a lot of this, I actually wrote something here and um, it basically is trying to think about this. What a paradox. This is, we're looking at wisdom. Um, we are looking at power. We are looking at possession and culturally it is trying to be negated and made invisible. And it really starts so young, which is why I brought up the Rebecca Soltnet. It's like women, young women are assaulted, whether they're physically touched or not, which mm -hmm. the statistics are horrific about how many are violated. But the very idea of divorcing yourself from your body begins at puberty, if not before, Develop, depending on when you develop, 
it starts and and even pre-pubescence. So the idea that what is wrong with our culture and how are we working, it's such a paradox, right? The wisdom, the possession and the power that is earned and is here witnessed is exactly how much we want to put it aside and say it isn't a value mm-hmm. when it is. And I think frankly, it's, you know, uh, uh, there's a very big discussion and a lot to talk about with that entity that we all live with that diminishes everyone, whether you're whatever gender you are or whatever non-binary position you're in as a person. It's like it, we are all limited by these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yet they persist and they, they, they are amazingly, um, you know, we, we drink Kool-Aid, uh, you know, it's like, it comes down very quickly, uh, in our messaging. Think about it right now. If I see one more gender reveal, it annoys me endlessly. Like, this idea of pink and blue and blah, blah, blah. Like we just like, when are we going to give this up? (laughs) Really? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and frankly, like that's not assigned for life. Like let's let go of some of these things, please. But anyway, I digress back to your, um, this beautiful, um, uh, image. And of course I'm not, I know this was in the book, so it's part of sovereign, but if you want to articulate the different, I blended, um, your bodies of work. Um, this obviously, um, you are you are um, placing people in nature. You're really like I love that this is like juxtaposed to Rita, a very mm-hmm. different use of the body in nature. Mm-hmm. So th- this was a so this is the like parallel body of work called Bountiful. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I was looking. It, yeah, that's okay. This I have not, it wrong. <laughs> yeah, this is not in Sovereign. That's okay. Yep. Um, Sovereign was very consciously just women over the age of 55 that was a very Mm -hmm. conscious choice so this is bountiful and um it's women of all ages um and it's expanding now to gender fluid and non-binary um people so and it is about it is about essentially the centrality of the body and i wanted to and and placing it within nature as like the central stage on which we enact our lives like i think of the photograph as like a stage set but really what is our stage set is the earth and we we enact our lives on the stage of the earth and we are at one with it and i had just moved back to maine and i was totally like in awe of nature in maine i came from brooklyn for 10 years we're at a tiny little backyard and I, it was like a mystical experience. Like I had two acres of land and I was just like, I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe how um, fecund, <laughs> to use a nice word, the main landscape is. So I brought these women, I took like eight women up to uh, Deer Isle and we rented a house for five days and we just went out and we just like explored. It was an absolute dream to do that um and she was breastfeeding which of course is so extraordinary like one of the great mysteries of the world is that we create life and then we feed it that's pretty mind-blowing so to have her do that in nature and i don't know if you can see it but like she she's 
the milk is dripping from her other breast and it's down her leg, like in the print, you can see it. And then the tree in the back is actually dripping sap. So it's called milk and sap. And that was just a juxtaposition that I didn't know what happened. And these are the serendipitous things that happen in photography that are so beautiful. And like, to me, that natural surrealism, um, it's not super clear. The sat, you have to really look at it, but you, it, it, you can definitely see it in the print. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so that was, mm-hmm. that was that. And then this is a, again, for the photographers in the, in the audience, I will, again, it's this camera and then I will work with a um, reflector in dark areas. So I will have in these situations an assistant who's bouncing the light so that we can get this light illuminate in a dark area like like the woods. Thanks. I, I appreciate that. I know I there are several photographers. Question. No, and I think it was really interesting because yeah. for me, I thought even from the first photograph, I'm very interested in how you work with light. Um, and it's obviously a subject uh, in the composition. And so I appreciate when you are circling back to that for sure. And I love this sequence. Um, I just, I'm, I'm happy to share this sequence. There's two parts in the book, but we've had a third. So tell us about Nancy. So this was made, I was really young. I mean, this was like when I was 23 and I just graduated from college and I went to live um, on Martha's Vineyard through the winter. And Nancy lives on Martha's Vineyard year round. She's a writer. She's, you know, just an amazing human being. And I was interested in nudity and nakedness and uh, she was one of the people that posed for me. And so I was, you know, just again, for the photographers in the room, I was really thinking about structure. I was thinking about narrative. It was important to me to have the clothesline behind her to create these kind of narratives within the frame. Um, but it's still a pretty traditional, quite a traditional uh, setup, right? She's just center framed. Um, so, but I didn't think much about this picture again. I was just, I was young. I was kind of giving myself assignments um, to make more work. Um, and, but then, like I said, then I woke up like 30 years later and I, re- I had continued to photograph Nancy. And so then I, ha- I realized, my God, I have this archive of images of this woman from 30 years ago. And I went back through all the black and white negatives and found it and am now juxtaposing it. So the other body of work that I'm working on is this longitudinal study of women over time, which is like 35 years. So this is the first in Nancy and then the next one you can show. And there are others in between. So this is Nancy um, in 2000, 2000. Um, I think like 17, if I remember. Maybe, the, yeah, it was 2017. Yeah, and then anyway, I mean, very recent. Um, And so she is in Sovereign and we've now agreed that I'm gonna photograph her every year, but I'm not just gonna photograph her. So the funny thing that again, life is so serendipitous. I met her when I was 23 and then a dear friend from college, her husband, she married someone who's Nancy's nephew. So we, I now heard, so my dear friend's daughter is Nancy's grandniece. So we have now agreed to photograph them together because they look a lot alike every year from now until whenever. And so that's the next image of Maine and Nancy. 
Wow. That's such a gift for, I'm thinking for everybody, (laughs) you know, a gift for Nancy, a gift for her grand niece and a gift for us. And obviously for you to have that. No, they're very generous. I mean, they're very in their own right. Uh, Maine, the young woman on the right is actually a wonderful photographer. Um, And I think she's, she's at Pratt. Right now, Nancy's a writer. So they're really, this is really, I couldn't do it without their collaboration. Um, You know, and the obvious thing here is the juxtaposition of these two bodies that are really quite similar, actually. But one is sort of the advanced older and one is is the self at a younger age. Um, Yeah, just, that's just a spectacular, beautiful picture. So, so this, this is picture, bountiful. Yeah, this is back to, so when I first moved back to Maine, I was really making, and still I'm making lots of pictures of, of women in the landscape. And it was always very important for me to, um, again, the subtext is, is all bodies are beautiful, um, you know, use a great range of, of women to pose for me. Um, and so we, this is um, called the Woods by the Quarry. And I went with a group of, I think, five women. And we went up to um, like near Waldeboro and we spent the night and we just went out into the woods and would make these pictures. So there are many, many pictures in the series. And there's a whole other series of all five women naked in the woods. Mm. And then this one that, that, that I can, I make lots and lots of pictures and it takes a long time for me to edit them. So this one was the one that, that I was the first takeaway. I think there may be others. And she's one of my favorite people to photograph. And the reason being that she really relaxes in the picture. Like, I think that for the photographers in the group, you, you know what it's like when you have someone who's, um, you think will be a wonderful subject to photograph, but they, it kind of goes back to that animal body idea. Like they're so self-conscious that they never let go to be in the moment of the picture. And so there's this consciousness that's present, that's stiff and that something, you know, we're creating a fiction. I'm not saying this is, I'm not a photojournalist. This is a fiction. It's a fictional narrative. But the reason that we can transcend that fiction is because the model is able to relax and in some way create believability. And that is on the model. That's not me. That is really the person. And so it it truly in the end is very collaborative that my pictures are only as strong as the subject that I photographed is able to, to be present to it. And, and the way I make the pictures, it's usually um, a long time. So they actually get bored and do forget about me and like, and quite frequently fall asleep. So <laughs> I mean, really quite frequently. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, then you get what you want, what you're after. I mean, if they're reclining, yeah. <laughs> and she had what she has a little dragonfly on her leg that had landed on her leg, which is pretty beautiful. And I should say, I never use Photoshop in like any extreme way. So people should 
these these are really like made in camera. I'll use it a little bit here and there to enhance color, enhance contrast, but I'm not like cutting and pasting things. Like this is where she was. Mm-hmm. Like a very light touch. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't, I mean, it wasn't the way I was trained. I just wasn't yeah. trained. I'm still like an old, an old dinosaur that way. I, I do it the way I was trained. Mm-hmm. Um, so same, this was when I first moved back to Maine um, from New York. This is my yard. It's right out there. Um, on the other side of that rose bush is a tree. And the, she was coming over to photograph and she said, I can't come. I got a terrible sunburn. And I was like, you've just come. I think we're going to work with it. And, and I, you know, it, it was amazing. It's, it's, it's so interesting to me that the body, like, you know, it's painful. I get that, but it, it like, it burns, you know, it's like, it, it changes tone and color and that I could frame her in this way that feels like a classical painting. Um, and obviously the palette, you know, I think about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is really recent work. Um, and I think it, interestingly, after 30 years of being so formal in my approach, I've become really interested in not being formal now, which is a, a radical shift for me. And now I'm photographing in the dark at night with a flash and I'm still using this camera, but I'm also using the Mamiya 7. Like, I don't know if you guys can see that. Um, it's a film, you know, another film camera. It's a little more spontaneous, but honestly, I still often have to be on a, on a tripod and I'm telling people to float, to not look at me, just to be in the moment of the ocean. I'm standing in the ocean and then I'm flashing the flash at the same time the picture is made. And we don't know what we're getting until the film comes back. And I'm so excited about it because it's, mm-hmm. it's totally fresh it really feels surreal and strange like that all that water coming off of the waves it, it's it records as white dots because the flash is hitting it so f- that's so interesting to me um so this is this is where i've been at kind of post-sovereign is is really shaking up the whole process mm-hmm. playing that, a lot more yes i mean uh I don't know what you know about my curriculum concept aware, but it is uh, basically a framework for concept development. And one of the things is when you articulate those in natural ways of seeing that you talked about, that you frame in camera, that you have a formal composition, um, that you're looking at color palette and you're playing with light. And then I always encourage people once they're able to define how they see, then to get out of that and just play, not necessarily with um, this idea that you're going to give up some of the things that are uh, innate or come naturally, but that it just widens everything. And if you go back to something formal, you're going to bring what you're learning and experiencing in this work. So it's really fun to um, hear you describe it. And I hear your excitement because it's almost like the camera is giving back to you uh, things you wouldn't know about, right? Like how the water is going to reflect like that and how that certainly stops us as viewers to say like, wait, what? Like, you know, not quite sure about anything, which is part of these, <laughs> part of what you want, right? Um, yeah, I mean- How it, you got here. Yeah, the magic of, of, the magic of not knowing, like you can't underestimate how 
how exciting that is to me. Like I, that's part of the, the, the continued like high of photography for me. Like I, I don't do digital, but partly because looking back and forth at the back of the camera, like would change the whole process for me. And I'm not saying I'm not going to do it, but I just, I, this is still so exciting. And I can see them when the flash goes off. So I have a sense, but it's like a split second of like, wow, that was something. And now like I'm going to, and it's more dance-like, like you're really moving with them, with the camera. And in, the, in a funny way, it is a little bit more like street photography, like Gary Winogrand, like moving out in the street really quickly, but you only get a split second to see what your subject is, is when the flash flashes. Mm. So I yeah. think, you know, in some ways to the photographers out there, like I, I, I need, it was time for me to shake up my process. Like I knew how to make pictures the other way and I needed to do something different. And photography is continuing to feed me formally, especially. Well, what's interesting too, you're making me think about um, the idea that you're engaging in conversation with your medium and, and, and just that listening, that observation, that being led by the process always creates magic. I talk about it often. I work individually with photographers and people get caught up on the output of what it's going to be when if you actually keep your focus in the conversation on your work and the medium and the curiosity factor and that letting go, that movement, um, you will be led somewhere and it gets embedded in the work, I think. And this makes me, um, I did learn of your dance background and I, I think of, of so many cross sections with other mediums like choreography and photography. Um, cinema and photography like the cinematography of something mm -hmm. um how do you think or how did that translate it's interesting because it's ironic i happen to um my one of my favorite mediums is to draw and i love drawing naked bodies and the other medium that i adore is dance and and i often end up in tears at performances um because i just am overwhelmed it's so beautiful i mean you're using your body as the instrument so how did dance play into your artistic growth or evolution it's, it's something I don't talk about very much, but I really love dance. It's like a deep passion of mine. And when I, I was dancing through college and then after I left college, I studied really seriously with Eric Hawkins, who was married to Martha Graham. And I, there was like a, like brief in terms of a lifetime, but it was very intense moment where I thought maybe I'll do this. I'll try to do this. It's very, very, very hard. And then I, I had this thought, you know, I don't want to be someone else's tool of expression. And, and I didn't love all choreography. Like I love Pina Bausch. I loved Meredith Monk. I would love really specific kinds of choreography. I didn't want to do that. And I loved, I loved photography. And I feel like, so I left and I went to graduate school at Hunter for photography, but dance is, it's like this background all the time I think about it all the time and I actually because of COVID which is so incredible I can actually study with the same company now online <laughs> 30 oh. years later 
I know, even though my teacher is now 70, like, you know, it's like reveals, reveals how much time has gone by, but yeah, it's, it's, so I love it. It's, and it's a language that I, I definitely think about. And when I, when I make these pictures, it, it is very modestly a nod towards my love of dance is that we are moving bodies in space and I'm there with the camera next to them in the water, you know, it's, it's as close as I can get mm-hmm. um, to my love of that. That's so, very cool. That's so yeah. exciting to yeah. think about that. Like it's like coming full circle. A little bit. It feels very, I mean, I'm by no means a dancer now, but my love of the medium is totally there. And the other thing I should say, I'm a real nerd about photography and I think about Gary Winogrand and someone, no one ever talks about this, but that like athletes have made very good photographers like Gary Winogrand and Robert Frank were both Mm -hmm. athletes and Mm -hmm. they made pictures that are very physical pictures in the world. And they were moving and responding to people moving in space. I think someone should write about that, that idea of athleticism and, and bodies in space, like you would with a team, you know, I, I, I didn't play team sports, but I imagine that awareness and choreography of bodies anyway, I don't know. That's very interesting. Actually, one of the people we had on was Brian Bowen Smith, and he was an athlete. I asked him about that. I asked about, and he said, hands down, absolutely. Yeah. I um, think yeah. I mean, talk about embodied you're you know and then and then the intersection with environment uh I mean you have to be aware of so many things as an athlete and what impacts it it's a really interesting translation if I weren't so busy with I have too many writing projects on my uh my plate but I think get somebody for sure that's really interesting to think about really interesting to think about. So we just have a few more um, images to look at and then I wanna get to audience questions. So this was, I'll go quickly. Um, So this was made when I moved to Maine from Brooklyn. And again, I was just so thrilled to be in the natural world. And this is in my backyard. Again, now I'm really working with this model, Kate. Um, And we are, you know, just playing really and exploring. And obviously this is a reference to like Botticelli's Venus and other references of of Venus figures. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love the wild redness of her pubic hair and the barrenness of the, of the, the garden. Like she is the blooming thing. Mm -hmm. The garden is bare, but she is this blooming creature. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and the shadows are just exquisite on her body. Yeah. Um, thank you. Mm. Oh, I'm glad that we can bring this in because this is, uh, this is, in, this interesting, is interesting background that I'm learning. Yeah. So this is in Sarah too, and so this is another parallel body work of um, these are my wedding flowers. I was married for a second time in 2015 and I didn't want to throw them out and I put them into a big tub of water in my yard but it was in October and so they were freezing and defrosting and like all this stuff was happening and they were so interesting and I realized I never made still life pictures and I realized wow this is really a subject like this is really something and so I started to photograph this and really you know it's similar 
the idea of embodiment that these things pass through the same stages of blossoming and you know blossoming and beauty and ripeness and decline as the human body so they're juxtaposed to many of the nudes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah just and i like the fact that again you're um getting outside your former parameters right that your your subject were um you know portraiture and this still life is is another thing to explore so you're still uh in conversation so this is the one time that i've used digital um i was in marfa texas with friends and it was I just started photographing her. She, I photographed her a bunch. Her name is Jane. And I loved this picture and I loved the spontaneity of it. And that actually made me really curious about digital. I have not found a camera that I feel comfortable with yet, but this makes me think I, I may, because you can photograph in low light and just the spontaneity of her looking at me and her comfort in her body and her inherent kind of sexuality, but I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't have gotten that if it wasn't this spontaneous. So this is an argument for digital that <laughs> I just haven't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I like the idea that you're exploring and, and open to it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I really love this in reference uh, or in conversation with the first image in the bath. This is from Sovereign. Yeah, Uh, so this is, um, this is sort of similar in tone, I think, to the Rita image. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. very, it's very confrontational. It's very much about her inviting you to look at her and her bravery in that. and her comfort in her own body. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the evolution of her body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, um, so this is from what I'm calling the Dark Matter series, which is the same. I Once I did the wedding flowers, I continued and made more consciously. And so these are big animal troughs in my yard. And I just pull things from the yard, like those are hostas, and that's hydrangea that's passed. And then uh, that's like um, a succulent on the left. And then I went and got pomegranates and cut it and put it in and, and just watch them over days. And they're all natural light. So you just watch it evolve and um, kind of like a, it's a ready-made still life. Like it, that's evolving. Um, and at different times of the day, depending on the light, the picture will be radically different and the wind will move it. Like it's, it's so, um, so surprising actually. Yeah. Well, and so organic. And I love the idea of these paired with the women. I mean, it's echoing, but so different. Um, and, and the colors, they're beautiful. So this was, um, the publisher wanted to include this, um, in the book in in sovereign and and a lot of people are like why why would they do that and why would michelle dunmarsh do that and i and I, I thought you know i don't really know but i actually really like it and the reason that i do is that we had the the plant material we had the portraits of the women and then we had this one portrait of animals and it actually is very in keeping with the way i think about the world and i i photograph animals a lot and i just haven't shown the work very much 
am really interested in animals. Um, I don't think people have photographed them very well. I, I think they're endlessly mysterious and strange and magical. And we live with a lot of animals. I've got a goose and a duck and a parrot and uh, three dogs and three cats. Um, and they're just, uh, you know, sometimes you get a really magical animal that their consciousness is so um, surprising. And it reminds you of the strangeness of the world. And so this picture, I love this picture and I love that she included it because it sort of expanded the book, the mm -hmm. world of the book. It's not, it does include the earth, the whole mm -hmm. earth, all beings. Mm -hmm. um, and I would like to do this more. Well, interestingly, coming full circle, it's animal body and right. aren't they showing us how to live, right? right? Yeah. I think that was the last. Oh, no. One more. Oh, okay. And this is this is one of the main images in Sovereign. Mm -hmm. um, Susan's back. So that was from we, when we rent, went up to Deer Isle and rented that house. Um, and formally, what I love about this is that she's both the rock and the sky. Like her body is, you know, on the rock, grounded to the rock, but then her hair is like evaporating into the sky. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what made me like that image. And mm -hmm. such, I mean, that's an amazing, uh, the use of shadow in terms of her backbone uh, and the idea of the strength of her. And the mud on her feet. Like, so everything, yeah. all the pictures I make, there have to be this sense of humanity and imperfection. And they're not about some idealized vision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She had to walk through the mud to get there. And she's like, well, should I wash my feet off? And I said, absolutely not. That's so <laughs> Weave the mud, the yes. mud. Yeah, yeah, the residue. Um, thank you for sharing those those with us, and um, and I want to open it up to our our view our participants to ask anything, uh, subject matter wise, technical, whatever you're curious about after learning about the work. And you can just unmute yourself. I don't know, Deb, if anything, because I'm not looking at the chat, if anything came up in the chat. Please ask me questions. I'd love, I'd love to. Yeah, Lou, it looks like you've yeah. got your hand up. Hi there. Hi. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned longitudinal studies. I can't hear myself. <laughs> there we go, that's better. Um, you mentioned the whole idea of projects that evolve over time and photographing people uh, repeatedly. And I was thinking about um, Nicholas Dixon and Jock Sturgis and how they basically both recognized at some point that uh, it becomes something else when you photograph the same person, that you have this relationship. And so I was really struck by that. And the other thing that I was thinking about was um, particularly the, the nature settings. I thought about Justine Curland and how she basically goes out and finds these strangers and recruits them to make these images. And I guess I was wondering, I think you actually started working before Justine, but 
you know, uh, were you sort of aware of, mm. of these people and mm. how do you see your work kind of related to that? Um, mm. in the, are you in the same conversation or are you in a different conversation? That's a, it's a really good question. Um, I think that the way that I'm doing the longitudinal study is different from the way Nick Nixon did because he, he it's a formal setup of the same people over time in this, you know, the same group of women, family members. Mm -hmm. And mine, mine evolved a little bit more organically. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out. It's a very good question because it will also reflect the way I made pictures over time. So some of the pictures are a little bit more formal. Some of them are more, um, you know, more uh, less formal, I guess is a way to put them. So joining the pictures together of one person over time will be its own challenge to how to, mm. how to make that work. Whereas mm -hmm. the way Nick did it, it was very obvious. Like they, yeah. all, they, yeah. all, they all like, they all go together, right? Yeah. So it, it, mine's gonna be a different kind of thing. Um, I think I think as a photographer, it's very important to be aware of the people who work similarly to you. Um, so am I in conversation with Justine Curlin? I'm very aware of her work and I would never want to do something that felt like I was repeating the same story. Mm -hmm. I'm aware, I'm a very aware of her work and really respect her work. So I, I would, in a perfect world, I'd like to be commenting with her on someone yes. when she when she talks about girl culture yeah. that's really inspiring to me so but i do think it's very important for photographers to to not step on each other's subject matter <laughs> right, <laughs> you, right. you know what i mean like in a way yeah. like we have to be aware of the community that we work within um yeah. so that we do it in an original way if awesome. that makes, if that makes sense are you oh, a photographer yeah. i am yeah yeah so, um, and in fact, I, I actually, I wrote a book about photographing nudes called The Naked in the Lens. And one wow. of the things that I talked about was sort of looking at the history of the nude in photography. That, you know, it's not just the, sort of a stepchild of pinups, right? That there's a whole, uh, there's a whole broad field of where nudity fits into the, the image and particularly the constructed image. So. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff is really very interesting to me. Yeah, definitely. And, and performance work that, use, that uses photography to record it. Yes, yes. The other thing I was thinking about was you made a comment about one of the photos being, um, I forget how you put it, but there was something about, you said something about sexual, that it was sexual. sexual and that it seems like there's a linkage in culture between nudity and sexuality mm. that I think is, it's sort of read into it. Like I, I didn't see any of the images that you had up there as being particularly sexual. And so, um, you know, I guess I, I'm wondering if you can comment on that. Like, you know, to me, there's a thing about sexual that is if you're actually representing the sex act or the lead up to the sex act, which is a, a very different thing than what you're doing. You're, you're portraying a naked body. And so to what degree is the nakedness itself implicitly uh, sexual? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think, I think that, 
uh, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's complicated. And I, I don't think of the pictures as sexual. I think maybe mistaken that the one time I said that is the digital picture where she's yes. saving her mm-hmm. arms and her gaze to me felt that it had a kind of sexuality in it that okay. is always about a relationship with a viewer. And it, so it felt like it was directed towards me as the person holding the camera. Gotcha. Um, she was wet. She was coming out of the shower. So I think sexuality, it, it's, it, it, to me, it feels like a relational experience. Like you are mm-hmm. in relationship to someone else. So the sexuality is about that relationship. So the only way that my pictures are sexual, I think, is just allowing this nakedness, these bodies to be seen as beautiful and mm-hmm. sensual. Mm-hmm. Um, which then invites sexuality in the real world. Do you know what I mean? Like it invites yeah. the opportunity for sexuality later yeah. in a different yeah. space. But I think that's a very important question, actually. And it's like, like, yeah, the erotic versus the pornographic. Like, how how do all these those things? How do we parse those things? What are, how are they different? Because they are very different. nakedness and sexuality. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we see it with things like the censorship that goes on in Instagram. Like mm-hmm. the Instagram yeah. insists on not distinguishing between nudity as art versus pornography. Like nudity is not pornographic. It's, and, it's, it's completely maddening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've had my, my account shut down so many times. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to interrupt to say a couple of things. Um, Lou, it sounds like you have material for another book. Uh, (laughs) I think so, maybe. So just want to underscore that. The other is, um, you know, all of our um, photographers for the month of June have been women photographers and dealing with the female nudist subject. So I think um, there's so much to uncover here. And especially uh, when we were talking to Renee Jacobs, who is a lesbian photographer uh, who had the similar to your experience with a curator covering the 92 year old body, she had someone tell her that, well, you don't wanna like talk about your sexuality because you're really fulfilling a lot of male fantasies and your collectors will stop buying the work. And that was a light bulb Mm -hmm. where she was like, no, that's actually leading me forward. And so the work came out of her giving a space for women to have their desire and their sexuality uh, on camera. And and she talks about the collaborative nature of it, but it definitely brought up, and there's so much more to talk about this, this erotic sexuality, pornography, you know, where all this gets, uh, directs us. So thank you for bringing that up. And I think um, <laughs> we'll be looking forward to you diving into it more and keeping us up on that. So I see a couple of questions in chat. Do people want to just unmute and ask them? And we also have another hand up. Um, oh, great. Go for it. Yeah, maybe. Juno. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi, thanks. Um, there's the, the critical nature of the work you're doing is just it's it's so so important to have you know i mean what what um what lou touched on was a lot of things but what i'm thinking about is in addition to censorship and i don't think you can talk about photographing the um, female nude body without talking about censorship um 
but also it's the male gaze and it's still so rare and practically revolutionary for a woman to take images, take them, paint them, anything in that realm uh, of nude women. Um, we're used to male artists representing women and that's the male gaze coming in and the sexuality, there's so many things, I'm just gonna throw them all out there. Uh, the, the, the sexual energy, I mean, even Lou, your statement about the sex act, I mean, that's like extremely heteronormative, right? I mean, you know, so the way that men look at naked women versus how women do, and I'm a lesbian photographer and it's not, and it's not any different, I'll tell you. And I love, uh, Sibylla, what you just said about the, that photographer, who I'd love to know the name again, um, saying or responding to that comment that they know it would make them move forward because that's the only way you change it. That's the only way you normalize the fact that this just being a lesbian photographer isn't, doesn't mean you're always talking about sex. I mean, that's such a limited, you know, narrow, just, just ridiculous aspect, but these images are so incredibly powerful. Uh, your background with your mom and um, the, the, is just, I'm so happy that this is, you're, you're doing that, you're doing this. The images yeah. are gorgeous. Uh, and yeah, so there, there's a lot, there's a lot of issues there, but I think one specific question is how have you dealt with censorship via Instagram or any other, any other um, social media or public facing thing. I mean, personally, I'm doing a whole project called um, I Won't Be Pretty For You, uh, Vulva's Queered. And mm -hmm. I'm coming up with a whole basically campaign to use when they're shown on, in, on Instagram or other social media that points out the center censorship that will use words to cover parts of the body and point out that it is, you know, this is why this is here, it, you know, due to censorship, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm working on a whole campaign around that because I refuse to put dots or do what, it, what everyone does with it, uh, you know, to, to censor their own images, to force us to self-censor, to self-censor our, our images anyway. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Um, I, I, it's censored all the time. I mean, I think, I think it's ironic because on the one hand, I have more followers on Instagram, I think because it's so taboo and nobody, you know, people aren't making a lot of images like this. So people really want to see it, but it's very sad that I always have to do the awful, like aggressive marking of the nipples and the vulva. Um, I think we have a long way to go. I, I think, you know, to speak really frankly, like no one even knows what a vulva looks like. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like I love um, Courbet's The Origin of the World. What a, excuse my language, fucking radical painting. Mm -hmm. Why don't we have photographs like that? Mm -hmm. That's an incredible painting, right? It's a woman's leg spread. And it is the origin of the world. That is a mm -hmm. radical vision. We're not doing that. Like my, you know, I love what I do, but my images are, are tame compared to mm -hmm. that. There is so much more room for what we can show and visualize and need to show and visualize um, for the next generation. I'm actually, you're both making me think a lot about language um, because that's so powerful to what we do and don't, 
think about or understand like how we reinforce. So we don't have words for a lot of the things that we need to be talking about, frankly. Um, and when you think about it, and I go back to, um, uh, I have a history, uh, I was a social worker in New York and one of the areas that I was very, very involved in was child sexual abuse and domestic violence. So why do we talk about it as women being raped? Why aren't we talking about rapists? And in the majority of the cases, it is a male raping a woman. So just our very language enforces different ways of thinking. And we are, you know, having to think very expansively. And you're absolutely right. Like here you are, as I said at the beginning, giving us this opportunity to be in our luxurious embodiment. And you're having pushback when it's like, wait, I'm like, I'm on this you know, I'm not, I'm not showing you all that we could be involved in exploring. So yeah, we have a, we have a ways and I know we're going over a little, but I really want to. So let me get the other people in the chat. Thank you, Juno. And the other photographer is Renee Jacobs. And that interview is our last photo book book group. And it's on the, on my website. You just go to online photo book book groups. Cause we talk a lot about that. And Renee ended up using her photography really to understand her own journey as a lesbian. Um, because of course she had internalized a lot of uh, shame and uh, self-loathing, unfortunately, uh, and worked that out. So yeah, more questions. Anyone who wrote in the chat, just unmute and speak up. Um, it wasn't my question, but I was curious about the answer. Somebody had written into the chat asking whether you'd considered trying to include a more racially diverse population of collaborators. And I mean, I know some of your earlier work had that I've seen had more folks of color, but I know, but Sovereign certainly didn't. And I know personally, like my daughter is very brown and I am very not. And she's seen most of my other photo books. And I've actually been a little nervous about letting her look through Sovereign, not because of the nudity, but because she is extremely conscious of, you know, in a way that has, you know, we don't even talk to her about it, but she notices, you know. So I was just wondering if you had thoughts about that. Is this Lisbeth? It is. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for your smart and, and very important question. Um, yes, it is very important, and I am acutely conscious of it. So, so the rest of my work is more diverse. Um, if there is a problem in Sovereign, that is the problem. And I, and I, I say that with like full awareness of it. And here, here's why. Um, hi, there you are. Hi. Um, I am photographing in the whitest state in the United States. And the pictures that I make are very, very intimate and require a lot of trust. And I refuse to find people that I am doing so to tokenize them. The relationship is a one of real trust and intimacy. Um, and, and many of the women, um, the demographic are people who came of age in the 60s. And that was largely a, a, a large white community of women. Um, unfortunately, like that are comfortable being naked. 
So unfortunately, it was, I have had a really hard time with that book in particular. It is not true of a younger generation of women, but it is for that. And I, I say that with like great awareness of the limitation. So it's very good to see you. It's nice to see you too. And I totally understand. I mean, I take, yeah, it's a, I it's take tons of pictures of this one and they will never go anywhere for similar reasons. Right. Like she can't hear us by the way. She's listening to Winnie the Pooh, but, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a knowing that she's too young to be a collaborator or to know what that means, you know, and that, I, I can't imagine like putting pictures of her up on Instagram, knowing all the horrible things that happened to pictures like that. So it's sort of, it's very complicated sharing other people's skin. Yeah, I, 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 feel, um, I feel deeply responsible and it needs to be, we need to have an authentic, real history, history of a relationship. And um, I have not found those people yeah and I want to very much but it, it, I'm not going to do it just in a superficial way just to fill a, to make it look you understand what I'm saying um can I interject hey. on yeah thank you for that question and I just want to interject on two um levels with that one is that um if you follow Elaine Welteroth she was the former editor of Vogue and she's of a mixed uh, race family. And when she was in kindergarten, she tells the story of having done a um, collage. And because they put out, they were like, tear things from magazines and give us a collage of your family. And she didn't have any people to put her mother. And so, because her mother's black. So that really was a standout moment for her. And she then went into that field where she's impacting that. Uh, she wrote a book recently, it's called uh, More Than Enough. I think it was two summers ago. So I direct you to that just for like background. The other is Kristen Joy Emac is a contemporary photographer. Um, she has children of color and she has a huge project. Um, it actually won a Zeke Award this past year. She's in a solo show uh, of that work right now here in Boston. And it's her daughter um, and her cousins. Um, and it's all these young women of varying uh, degrees of black and brownness and their relationship. Um, so there's a lot um, to be connecting dots with. So I hope that that uh, helps. Yvette, do you have a question? Elizabeth asked my question and I appreciated the response. And then I just asked, who was the author of the uh, More Than Enough? Elaine. Yeah. Elaine, Elaine Welteroth. Ah, okay, thank you. Yeah, she actually now is on, I don't know if she's on The Voice, she's on a, a, um, a syndicated show at the moment, but yeah. So I know we're going over, do we have one last question? Or area to, to think about? I didn't read the chat, is there anything else hiding out there? Lou, can we still get your book? Can you put that in the chat? And 
And I guess, um, Jocelyn, giving you the last word, do you want to tell us what you're working on or anything else that you want to, uh, to share? Sure. Um, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm compiling the uh, longitudinal study, which will take a long time. It's lots and lots of images that you have to dig back through the archive. Um, and I think, I'm, I think I'm really continuing with that more experimental work shooting blind, <laughs> a little more in the dark, like really shaking the whole process up. It feels very exciting to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I am not one for ending. I could go on and on. And I really am thinking of a lot of different things in terms of what we've raised. So thank you for those, um, the questions. And, and thank you, Jocelyn, for um, walking us through your process and, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to when we get to meet. Thank, so you, thank you Thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you for those wonderful questions. Thank I you really for coming. Love, I really love being asked and being in a dialogue with other, other photographers. Thank you thank so you. much, Sibylla. Terrific. Very thank generous. You. Thank you all. Thank Bye. you. Sibylla, are you Yes, still? I'm there. I'm finally reading the chat. I can't handle one more thing, so I don't read it, but I it's know. interesting. I love this. So I'll read this. Billy Blossom, I think it's a brilliant aspect to recognize a kind of sexual energy to bodies that are usually deemed as outside of that older bodies, disabled bodies, bodies with scars and surgeries. I don't think that sexual energy has to be connected exactly to an overtly sexual act. Um, there we go. And then I'm glad that I've got this. So I put in um, that Lou gave us the link and I'll put that into right. our resources. Right. Well, I just wanted to say thank you. That was really enjoyable. That was great. Good. Yeah, it usually is. And it's always what comes up, comes up. And yeah. are there yeah. were some of those people return people for you? Do you know them? Like, do you know Lou and uh, I know Lou only through this because he came to other photo book book groups and he actually very generously shouts out about it, which I appreciate. Is he um, in Boston? No, I don't know where he is, frankly. Oh, um, I haven't met him. Um, Yvette and I, I've reviewed Yvette's work. We're in a New York uh, Women's Photo Alliance together. Um, Trisha was on and I've reviewed her work out at Palm Springs. and. Um, she came on one other time that I know of, and I don't know how many other times. I often don't get to see who's there. Um, who else did I? Oh, and Randy. Uh, Randy is a, a woman photographer in New York, and she um, has come to my Concept Aware class, and I think I might have reviewed her through ICP. Um, but there were people on that I didn't know for sure, and I don't know whether they're people that know you or where they come I from. Knew, and I knew some of them. Like that, that woman, Lisbeth, was my yep. student at Princeton. Ah, uh, great. Yeah, she's amazing. It was so nice to see her. And yeah. Her it was so nice. Well, thank yeah. you very much. I would love to see the video when it do, do you just post it. Yeah, actually what I do is um, Deb and I, uh, Matilda's away, but the we basically put together a summary um, and we link things like Lou's book will be on there and um, 
that summary gets sent to everybody that signed up that registered. Oh. Oh, okay. And then it gets put in that page on my website, which is oh, um, the, the, yeah. And so you can do whatever with it too. So it'll be on a Vimeo. Okay. Okay. Can I share that on my Absolutely. website? Yeah. Okay. What you could do is what I would do, because I think that it's, it, if you share the summary, I think that's really helpful in, in just framing it. And the summary in has the, the video, in but the, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, you can go directly right. to that too. No, yeah. I'll do that. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. All right, and so appreciate we'll it. I'll be I in touch. In Portland, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Enjoy Dawood Bay. Oh, I can't Enjoy wait. Enjoy New York. Yeah, you I'm should see. You. We have three things for <laughs> for Saturday. It was so funny. Like, how many things can you get to in a day? But we'll do so it. Valid. We're pretty marathon. I mean, Dawood's on Friday, so I'll I will definitely enjoy. All right. All right. Thanks Take care. You. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks. Bye.